Assalamu alaikum. We come with another surah, Surah Al-Fil. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashab al-fil. And this surah has a, a very interesting backstory. So the backstory is first of all that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born um, in a year known as Amul Fil. You know, it came to know it came to be known many years later as the, the year of elephants. We'll come to why. You know, it's like, you know, this year is probably going to be called the year of Corona for very many years to come. Um, you know, something big that happens, some event that happens. And also, the the reason, the wisdom behind the Prophet ﷺ being made to be delivered and born in that year is that the Arabs and, and pre-modern history in general, people would not remember dates and times as, as kind of, as specifically. Um, they would not really, the date of birth wasn't really a thing, you know, celebrating and knowing when you were born is not really a thing. Um, actually, there were some interviews done, I saw, for, of some uh, kind of villages in Yemen, who, most of whom did not know when they were born, um, but they knew roughly their age. So, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa obviously that's a bit of a tangent, but the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he was born in the year of the elephant. And one of the, the, the wisdoms behind that is that the Arabs would remember that year for many, many, many years to come because it was a very miraculous incident. So, he, he was born in that year and they remembered that was the year Muhammad was born. So, um, the point is that his... His, his history, upbringing, childhood, his birth date was preserved. You know, in, even in Arabian history, before, in, before Islamic history. Uh, people knew he was, knew the year he was born and his association with that event. So, the, the history goes that Abraha is the name of a kind of a, a leader, king of, of a particular lands in Al-Habasha, which is, it's, it's not Ethiopia, it's roughly, you know, an African region which includes Ethiopia and, and some other regions. Um, so Abraha decides to create a massive temple, uh, you know, of sorts, uh, a church of sorts, to to kind of to be similar to, to compete with the importance of the Kaaba, uh, and you know, for multiple reasons. Number one, the Kaaba existed from the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the Prophet Ibrahim. So it's it's a pre-Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam building, and. You know, when the Arabs moved away from Tawheed, worshipping one God, and they became, started worshipping idols, that place still became, Mecca was still, you know, a, a trade route. It was still a, a place people would come to, to trade, especially other Arab tribes, to trade, to pay their, their rights, their religious rights, their pagan rights, uh, etc. So it was still an important figure, and, you know, other, other, kind of other countries nearby did not really have a similar monument like the Kaaba. And remember, it's just a box. It's just a, it's just a it's a cube. You know, it's not really the most sophisticated monument. But people, Allah created that cube or that house. Uh, you know, with some sacred, with some divine importance, some blessing here He gave to it, some barakah. So, Abraham decides to compete with the Kaaba, creates this church or this temple, and then um, what happens is one of the Arabs uh, goes to his temple and he decides to kind of uh, urinate there, just to kind of annoy Abraham. And Abraha, being very insulted, says, promises that he's going to come and destroy the Kaaba with his huge army, including elephants. So Surah Al-Fil literally means chapter of the elephants. And that's where it gets it from. Um, so he brings his massive elephants, you know, his powers that they didn't have in the Arab world. You know, huge beings, huge mammals that can crush anything in its path. And he comes to Mecca and he meets on the way the Prophet Sallallahu grandfather, Abdul Muttalib who, uh, you know, he tries to seize his, his cattle and his property and Abdul Muttalib argues with him about it. So Abraha says to Abdul Muttalib that, why are you arguing me about your horses? I've come here to take away your Kaaba. You should fight with me and defend that rather than defending your property. So Abdul Muttalib, he replies to him by saying, 
I am the master of this. This is my livestock, my property. I will protect it. But the Kaaba, but the Kaaba has its own master that will take care of it. You know, uh, referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did, they did believe in a creator. They did believe in Allah. Just, you know, there was generally in the Arab world a, a paganism that was rife, an idolatry that was rife. So uh, Abraham marches forward and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents his elephants from entering uh, near the Kaaba, near the sacred area. They keep turning around. Uh, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes, uh, punishes uh, Abraham's army and finishes them off and we'll discover more in this surah. But what is the objective of this surah? Why, why does Allah mention such an incident? For a number of reasons. The first one, uh, to honor the Kaaba. Now the Kaaba in the time of the early Meccan period, so this surah is revealed in the early Meccan period, when the Prophet and his companions are a minority, and what happens in the Kaaba these days is people are encircling the Kaaba naked, people are putting their idols inside the Kaaba, it's been abused. That the sacredness of Tawheed, of one of worship, of monotheism, of one worship in one creator has been abused. Um, and so number one is Karamatan Lil Kaaba. This surah is, is supposed to honor the Kaaba. This is what the Kaaba was. This is how Allah treated it, defended it. Second one is Inamuhu um, ala Quraysh. That Allah has done a huge favors to Quraysh to, to remind uh, you know, this Arabian tribe where the Prophet has come from and who are like disputing his prophethood and, and not not coming back to the, the religion of Ibrahim السلام, to remind them that Allah did you a huge favors in the past and don't forget them um, so, so that's that's a second reason and another reason is also to to show the, the ability of Allah how Allah is able to deal with his you know those that oppose him and those oppose, that oppose his, his enemies um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah by saying Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil Did you not see? He's addressing them in the singular Did you, one person, did you not see um, How your Lord dealt with Or how he, what he did with The, com the companions of the elephants You know, the, the, the elephant people You know, so to speak and, and he doesn't, Allah doesn't mention them by name Or where they came from but how did he deal with the army of the elephant rather, not the companion, but the army, uh, the army of the elephant? And it was quite a fierce army that came to the Arabian, the, uh, the Arabian lands. Did Allah not invalidate their plans, their plots, however much planning they did to amass such an army, to amass these mammals and bring them across? Did Allah not completely destroy their plans? Obviously the answer is yes. So these are rhetorical questions that are obvious to answer. They're obvious yeses. Um... Did Allah not waste all of their planning and plotting and sophisticated tools and um, you know amazing mammals? Did Allah not waste all of their resources? Um, so how did Allah deal with them? You know, from the most unlikely uh, you know source of defense, He sends tayr, so birds. Tayran ababil ababil means you know jama'ah, uh, groups and groups of birds. And Groups of birds that were kind of separated out, mutatabi'ah, mutafarriqah, they kind of divided out. Tarmihim bihijaratim min sijil. So these birds throw, you know, they throw on the, this army rocks made of uh, kind of dried up clay. Um, you know, small rocks. Hijaratin, you know, refers to one. So each, perhaps, each, each bird, now this is not mentioned in the tafsir. But hijara refers to one stone, so each bird was carrying one stone or one, up to, some narrations say up to three stones. Um, 
فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولٍ Once they were done throwing stones on these people, um, these people, this army, the result was the birds left them or left them as مُحَطَّمِينَ كَبَقَايَ الزَّرْعَ الَّذِي دَخَلَتْهُ الْبَهَائِمُ فَكَأَلَتْهُ وَدَاسَتْهُ بِأَرْجُلِهَا Sheikh Salih Usaini mentions that they, they became like, you know, when animals come to kind of some, some crops and they kind of just destroy it and rip it to shreds and then walk off and you're left with this rubbish that's kind of like completely torn to shreds um, uh, the, the, this crop that's torn to shreds um, that's how these stones left them وَطَرَحَتْهُ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ you know, completely, uh, you know, left them on the floor, just abandoned them uh, and, and that's after they were a whole healthy, large healthy, healthy army so, so that's the story of the surah, the meanings of the words. Now the, we'll look at some lessons uh, from the surah uh, applied to our contemporary times. There's quite a few points of reflection we can take away from this surah, Surah Al-Fil. So let's step back and ponder. The first question that I think we can all reflect on and think about uh, of ourselves is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses uh, an insignificant, seemingly insignificant creature to affect so much damage on, on people kind of attacking Allah's sacred symbols like the Kaaba. Did, did those birds, uh, you, know, uh, you know, since they do have minds, did they ever imagine that they would play such a role, such an important role um, in defending the Kaaba? Uh, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the person who is most, uh, you know, least expected to be used in order to serve, serve him, in order to to protect his religion, in order to safeguard its borders, in order to spread his deen, in order to uh, you know, uh, help the homeless, in order to contribute to society. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selects sometimes to us the seemingly most unassuming people. In the Quran we have the mention of uh, an ant um, you know, standing up to Suleiman alayhi salam. We have the, the mention of uh, the hudhud, uh, you know, a particular species of bird, the hoopoe bird, uh, you know, assisting the Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam. Um, we have this kind of in seemingly insignificant creatures. You know, the Prophet ﷺ refers to a man in, in his lifetime called Julaybib. Uh, may Allah be pleased with him. Who, you know, nobody wanted, no one to, wanted to be near him. He was, he, he was like, you know, he had illnesses, ailments. He, he wasn't wealthy. He was quite, quite, quite poor. Nobody expected him to be amount to anything, basically. And yet he amounted to he, whom he, he amounted, and he and he died a shaheed. He died a martyr. Um, and the Prophet وسلم, when he died, the Prophet grabbed him, held him to himself and he said, minni wa ana minhu. This, man is, this man is from me and I am from him, meaning in, in talking about their close link. Um, Yusuf السلام, you know, his, his, his older brothers, the, the Rahat, the larger group of, of brothers, they thought, you know, who is this kid? Why is he getting so much attention? And although they took away his, his resources in this world, whether that's education, physical strength, you know, the things that make a person, you know, someone important, someone dasha and someone who, who can cause a dent, you know, have some effect in the world. They took away all the possible means for him to, to ever be someone of, of importance. Yet Allah made him important. Yet Allah gave him the standing he, he gave. So the, I think that point of reflection is that Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ We don't know who Allah would use as his soldier. We don't know who Allah will, will bless and kind of inspire to, to serve his religion, to serve him, to worship him, to praise him, to be close to him in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Um, and it could be us. And it could be someone we, we find, you know, we, we least as you, you know. The Arabs did not ever imagine for a day before Islam 
that a, a freed Ethiopian slave who they would themselves treat as a subhuman, they would treat as scum, that this man, that one of these men could one day become, uh, you know, the, the leader of an army, the leader of, uh, you know, one of, consider one of the leaders of Islam, you know, Bilal, Bilal al-Habashi, the Ethiopian, the freed slave, Bilal radiallahu anhu. Um, and so the, the point is that, number one, we don't know who, who Allah, we should never assume that, you know, someone because of their socioeconomic economic status, because of who they are, because of their background, because of their sins, because of their past, Allah, that Allah could not use this person to serve the deen. And in the hadith, the Prophet is reported to have said, Allah may help and serve and aid this religion, um, even with, with an unpious person, with a corrupt person. You know, they may, they may come round or they may do tawbah, you know, etc, etc. So, uh, you know, for example, who, who, would, who would have ever imagined that um, a boxer of African descent in America would become one of the biggest forms of da'wah in his, uh, for, for Muslims in America, Muhammad Ali, may Allah have mercy on him, the boxer who passed away. And, you know, who would have assumed? But the, the strategy of the Prophet ﷺ in calling others to Islam was to see the potential in anybody and see that this person is a product of the environment. What can Islam do to free him from those shackles? What can, can Islam do to, to remove those limits and bounds you know, set by the people around him? That's one, one reflection. And, and also that um, we don't know how Allah may help us from an inner difficult situation. You know, if, if we are people who, who stand for the truth and stand by our values, we don't know who Allah will send in order to help us and guide us and, and be there for us and support us. Uh, everything is Allah's creation. Everything around us is, is one of Allah, part of Allah's creation and Allah would use anything in His creation in order, in order to protect, protect his, uh, his sacred symbols such as the Kaaba. Uh, another point of reflection is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks to the Meccans, this, the point of this surah is to remind them of His favor upon them and to remind them uh, you know, how much of a blessing He gave them by saving them from that attack by Abraha and his army and how they should now in turn accept uh, you know, this Prophet وسلم, and accept this, the mastery of Allah and that the one who saved them is the one who provides for them he saved them without them asking their idols. He can provide for them. He, he should be worshipped alone and without any partners. So how Allah uses historical incidents relevant to certain people he, to, to remind them that you know, the, the same Allah who helped you at this point in history is the same Allah that can help you today. Um, Surah Al-Fil also um, inspires in us trust in Allah. Whenever the, the uh, Muslims, as individuals, as families, as communities, or as an ummah, whenever we are going through struggles and tough times, to remember that in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't need to protect his religion. Allah is the one who protects his religion. We don't need to preserve the sunnah. Allah is the one who preserves his sunnah. Allah is the one in command and in control. And no matter how chaotic and how otherwise it may seem, uh, you know, by the apparent view of events, Allah is the one in control. To have that trust, to have that conviction, and to keep marching forward uh, based on that conviction. These are some reflections and, and some points for consideration for yourself. What are what are your reflections? What are your thoughts? You know, what can you extract uh, from this surah? Um, have a think and and share your reflections or or, or write them down somewhere. Um, but the main thing is for your you to engage your own mind once you know the meanings of this surah. Assalamu alaikum.